Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. If you're not reading Ryan Divish in the Seattle Times, you're not reading the best baseball writing on the West Coast. He had a great piece the other day, which he sort of blended the frustrations of Mariners fans and Mariners players into a feature about the Mariners manager. It's not an easy thing to do. And he did it deftly and in a way that, like, you know, I read a lot, and it's one of those things I read start to finish. Ryan Divish joining us now from the desert. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm uh, sitting in I-10 traffic. Adam Jude is riding with me. He's been down here for a week helping me out. So we're just rolling along. And it is 77 here, but it's overcast. So we don't have the sun, but it was 77 today. How do you decide who drives between you and, and uh, Jude? <clears throat> well, I got this huge truck for some reason on my rental car. So I'm not letting Adam drive. He drives like a Tesla. I Come on. I wouldn't I love it. Um, Divish, uh, give me an idea. Like, you know, you. I, what I love about that piece that you that you did on uh, as a profile of the manager is you kind of, you know, very early in the piece, you introduced the frustrations that players have, the, the frustrations that man, that uh, fans had in the offseason. Um, I thought that was really smart. Why did you want to do that in, in sort of writing that piece uh, entering spring? Um, I think part of it, the big part was is that Scott Service, as a manager, recognized that the frustrations that the fans held and it were the same that his players were holding and that it was going to be detrimental to the club moving forward if he didn't address it. Like, you know, at the end of last season, Cal Raleigh came out and just said that their roster wasn't good enough, that they didn't have enough talent, and that the team that they had not got knocked them out the Texas Rangers had done more to get better, and the Mariners hadn't. And, you know, Raleigh was very critical, and then the next day kind of apologized for some of those comments, but his teammates, J.P. Crawford, Ty France, Logan Gilbert, all stuck by him. And I think Scott Service has been doing this a long time, and he really does have that dad vibe, and he's worked really hard to have a, a clubhouse where the players play for each other, and he didn't want the the group of those players being bonded over bitterness towards the front office or towards the franchise. And so he, he decided, like, you know, instead of just letting these guys sit in the dark and wonder why they're doing what they're doing and having to read it secondhand on social media or from what I'm writing, you know, he, he took it upon himself to talk to them. I mean, in this day and age of text messaging and, and you know, passive aggressiveness and all this other stuff he sat down for conversations i mean he wanted to do them all in person some of it they had to do on the phone but even then like most of it was done in person like grown-up conversations about important things that you know we don't do as a society very much anymore and i thought it was pretty refreshing you know the the story itself was arduous when you don't write like features all off season you're mostly writing analysis and stuff it's harder to write that. I mean, it was supposed to be about 2,700, 25 to 2,700 words. And I think my first draft was 3,700, and it was horrible. <laughs> I mean, it was like Sanskrit. Like, I, I, 
I didn't even want Adam or I didn't really want Adam or even Larry Stone, who's retired, but still reads him. I didn't want him to read it because it was just I was repeating myself, and I was just like, you know, there's a flow and a rhythm, and like I was listening to every kind of music I have. Like I'll go Pearl Jam or Oasis. I like a lot of this Texas country. I was trying every sad song I could think of, and nothing was working. And a credit to my new editor, Sean, who showed a lot of patience and kind of helped me rethink some stuff and helped me tighten it up. Of course, though, I still left some stuff on the – I had to cut some stuff that I felt like I wanted to get in there. There was a lot of great comments. The Mariners players that I talked to, those leaders, they're leaders for a reason, and they're super open. So they made that part of it, the reporting part, very easy. Last season, uh, payroll, about $140 million ending ending payroll – um, how how do you compete in in Major League Baseball with teams that are spending way beyond that? You you have to be super smart and you can't make mistakes. And what happened last year is the Mariners made mistakes in some of their off season acquisitions. The few that they made, you know, the few guys that they signed because they didn't have much payroll last year. Colton Wong and AJ Pollock didn't work. You know, when you only have a finite amount of dollars and you invest them in bad players, you know, it doesn't work. And, I mean, I think the Mariners know that they're never going to be the Dodgers or the Yankees in terms of payroll. They did the rebuild a few years ago, and they realized that for them to be sustainably successful, it starts with a pretty simple thing, being really good at pitching. And they brought in analysts and coaches, and then they drafted the right pitchers. So you build up, and you have a starting rotation with three guys that are among the top ten in the American League and Cy Young odds, you know, and two young kids. And then you figure out how to build a bullpen, and all of a sudden that that makes you competitive. It's kind of like, you know, it's like being really good at defense or, you know, those kinds of things. Like a a team in basketball that's consistently really good at defense, you're going to be in most games. Yeah, you might not shoot well every night, but if you if you play defense, you're going to be in most games. That's the way the Mariners look at it. If they pitch well enough, they can hold a team to one or zero or two. Maybe they can scratch out three, which is harder than you think for them. But that's how they've been able to do it. That's how they've been able to compete is be smarter. You know, when you do invest, don't make mistakes. When you develop, when you draft and develop, don't make mistakes. Now, they're not going to be perfect by any means, but – you know, their group of Luis Castillo and Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, and then the two kids, Bryce Miller and Brian Wu. I mean, that's, you know, that's how you win. You have a starting rotation that's good. They can strike people out, and, you know, they take the ball every fifth day. Ryan Divish, Seattle Times, with us. Uh, the, Mar- the Mariners uh, are starting play. Julio Rodriguez has been out with a hand injury. How concerned should Mariners fans be? Well, Mariners fans are going to think the worst, um, usually, but I don't think they should be very concerned. He was actually thinking of that today. But like, John, you played baseball, you know how your hands get beat up. Julio did a lot of work this offseason, wanted to refine some things to be more consistent, to, you know, strike out less, and he put a lot of time in the cage and his hands are beat up. You know, take 500 swings a day, as hard as he swings it, you know, your hands get tired. And He's had a history of hand injuries before. You know, he's broken his left hand once already, broke the left wrist. So, I mean, that predisposes you to getting some soreness in there. 
And uh, I think that's it. I, I'm not concerned. I mean, if he's swinging today, I assume he'll probably play by Thursday or Friday at the, the latest. Right. And the uniforms have become a hot topic. Um, what are the players saying about the new uniforms? So they, most of them won't say anything on the record. I don't know if they've been told not to. Um, off the record, they most of them are not fit for print. Um, <laughs> but, like, they're – the white pants are the worst because they're so thin and you, you just kind of see through, you know, and if you're, you know, when your nickname is the big dumper, like Cal Raleigh and you're wearing those pants, you know, that's just not going to be a look you want. So I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what Nike was doing. The Nike uniforms in general, since they've crossed over have been kind of a disaster, but these ones have all the feel of like a Canadian slow pitch softball team. <laughs> You know, lettering looks funny, everything like that. It's just not, it's not good. You know, the City Connect uniforms, everything about it. But, like, you know, it's just, it's just kind of low-quality look to it. You know, like the, the jerseys with the way the lettering is now, it looks like it looks like one of those fake jerseys you buy off the vendors outside the stadium or you see in a Ross dress or that. You know, it's not a real jersey. So, but you know Major League Baseball. What's the reaction going to be? Are they going to? Try to save face. Will they recall the pants? Uh, will they do a reset at the All-Star break? I mean, it's a lot of jerseys. Yeah, I mean, well, like the Mariners didn't even have enough pants to start with, so they're wearing last year's pants. And I told one guy, I go, you better hang on to those. Those are pretty valuable, <laughs> you know, because, like, they're better quality. So I, I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, you know, it, it is. It's like the production the value of that. These four minor leaguers are who are, who's going to get all these pants now. You know, like, oh yeah, here you go. You guys take the hand me downs. You know, I think uh, I think they'll probably make some adjustments, but right now they can't. And the jerseys are what they are because they're they're already selling this version of the jerseys with the smaller lettering and everything like that. So I think that's what they they are what they are at least for the year. But I guess you know switch it up. And again, to me, I never understood the buying of the jersey culture anyways for men over twenty. So you know, I guess. It's a way to make money for teams if they switch back to the old jersey or something else. But they they don't look right. They look a little odd. You know, players don't like it. They'll adjust. But the one thing is, is like, all I could think about, you know, and I saw the meme, but, like, the, the, the cotton uniforms on Seinfeld when Costanza made them and then they shrunk and they couldn't play. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, I, I can't have – when you're – when your situation is being compared to something that memorable that George Costanza did on Seinfeld, probably not a good thing. Well put. Seattle Times uh, baseball writer Ryan Divish, uh, fantastic writer. Uh, if you're not following him already, you'd need to. Uh, give me a guy you're watching in the spring that Mariners fans can get excited about. Um, well, we just watched their their top prospect, Cole Young, hit a double today. Um, I think he's 19 years old, maybe 20. And he uh, first round pick, high school kid. I mean, like, he could be in the big leagues by the end of this year if he played really well. He'll be in the big leagues at some point next year. He's 20 years old, and he's going to go play. He'll be in Double A by the end of the year if he doesn't. You know, he'll start Everett, and um, just one of those guys that like. It's not fair that his swing looks that normal. You know, the left-handed guy that just compact, tight swing, and. Uh, Everything he does is right, but, like, what they love is that he has a better understanding of the strike zone and what he wants to do at the plate and his approach than a lot of veterans do. 
and I just excited them. Like today, he struck out off a tough lefty, kind of a funky-looking lefty. You can tell he just couldn't believe he struck out. Next time up, he comes up off another tough lefty, hits the ball 400 feet to the wall, and drives in the only two runs of the game. So I, I've been pretty excited watching him. I mean, I think that's it's always entertaining for me. And then I, I've, I've enjoyed watching um, uh, Ty France a little bit, just seeing kind of the work he did at driveline this year. You know, I think I like Ty, so I, being a player that kind of recognizes deficiencies, recognizes that he has to do more than he's done in the past, that's always kind of cool to see because, like, there are a lot of players that I've covered over the years that never recognized it and wasted talent and lost years because they just didn't put in the time. And the guy that saw it come in and put in the time, and it's always kind of cool to see that kind of growth. Give us an idea because most of our listeners will not get to go to a spring training let alone cover it, just kind of the pace, the rhythm of your day, uh, what it's like to be there outside of the ballparks and in the baseball as you're around town. Uh, it's a, well, I mean, I was in Montana for most of the offseason. I left, it was 9 degrees, and it was about minus 3 with the wind chill. I got here, it was 75. So that's a little shock. But it's just, there's a laid-back vibe to it. Um for people that want to get close to the players, get an autograph, see them up close, see them take BP, there's nothing better. It's a kid's dream. You know, like they can run around and, you know, talk to these guys, get their pictures taken with them. They're right there. You know, you can see you're standing closer than you'll ever stand close to them at a stadium or see them at a stadium. And with this group of players, the Mariners specific, like they're, they're all younger. They're all nice guys. They get it. I mean, like it's, it's just a kind of a cool vibe. I know like, uh, you know, Adam brought his son down. He's out there playing catch. He's Logan Gilbert walked by or George Kirby. Like, it's, you know, it's kind of cool for them. And I think, you know, for the adult fans, too, it's just like it's a it's a better vibe. You know, you come down, you get sunshine, you see the players, you get to see them work. And I think that's one thing for me. You know, my girlfriend's son is, is 15. He's a really good baseball player in Legion. He thought he worked hard. And I took him into the indoor cages and showed those showed him how those guys hit and how they hit off a tee. He got an appreciation for what these guys do. Like, they just don't throw their glove on the field. You know, they put in time. And I think that's something that, you know, a lot of people will recognize when they get out there. But I, it is just a good vibe. It's a laid-back vibe. You go to the games, the sun's out, you know, have a beer in the sunshine and, and, and just relax, you know. And, and it's also fun seeing some of the younger kids out there playing because, again, they're going to go to the minor leagues. You're going to hear about it. You might see some video clips on Twitter. But you're not going to see them for a year or two, so it's always good to kind of see them early and see what they're like. Brian Divish, before I let you go, um, you know, DiMaggio hitting 56 straight. Cal Ripken, 2,632 games. Pete Rose, more hits than anybody. What's the most unbreakable record in baseball? Or Cy Young's win total? What's the most unbreakable record? Oh, it'll, it'll be Cal record because they don't players don't do that anymore like you know Adriano Suarez played 161 games last year and almost to the detriment they played that many you know like I don't think we'll ever see anybody play that much because they do load management with these guys you know they're not going to play them every day I don't I mean all those that you mentioned we're never going to probably see another 300 win pitcher again like the Hall of Fame metric that you adjust I mean I know Verlander could Ostensibly do it, but I don't think he's going to pitch that long. But like, yeah. they're not going to be another 300 win pitcher. 
they don't, you know, that they, it's just not going to be that way. I mean, we'll see 3,000 hits. We'll see 500 home runs, but 300 wins from a pitcher, I don't think we'll ever see that again. Ryan Divish, you drive safely in that pickup truck. And I uh, imagine you and uh, you and Jude have your shirts off and the radio on. And you're buzzing down the ten. <laughs> yeah, well, we're, we're we're thinking of going to Thelma and Louise here eventually. You know, <laughs> drive off the cliff and you know start a band or something instead. I love it. Thank you for joining us. You guys have fun down there. Yep. Love you, John. All right, take care. There they go. Ryan Divish and Adam Jude riding shotgun. I want to ask that next. The most unbreakable records in sports. Somebody asked me that today in my Monday mailbag. They asked me about LeBron James, who's going to finish above 40,000 points for his career. He will pass 40,000 points. He'll probably end up somewhere between about forty-two to 44,000 points in his career. Kareem's second, 38 and change. But what what record in sports is the most unbreakable? Will anyone get to where LeBron is? Kevin Durant, second among active players, trails LeBron by way too many points. Yeah, I believe he has 23,000, 24,000 points. He'll never get there. Um, Cy Young won 511 games in baseball. Pete Rose, more hits than anybody. Cal Ripken, 2,600-plus consecutive games played. DiMaggio hitting 56 straight. What's the most unbreakable We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Truth. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.